video check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. Don't stop. Here's what you get with this. Honestly. I've guessed it. I've absolutely guessed it. I enjoy this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome on in. It's another edition of the Mode Push Podcast, originating from Salt Lake City, Utah, United States of America. Alex Keery, your host. Dan Jimenez, your other host. Dan, uh, we've had a couple of weeks of having to kind of let the season settle with us a little bit, the end of the season settle a little bit. Max Verstappen is still champion. Is that right? That is correct. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just checking. Did he win another race? Even while we since the last race, even though I saw uh, they did a promo with the AlphaTauri guys, and they went go kart racing oh, with the MotoGP guys, shoot. and I saw a clip of Yuki Sonoda passing oh, Max I did see that. on a go kart, which makes yeah. sense because Yuki weighs like sixty pounds. Lost his touch. That's the way I look at it. Max Verstappen's <laughs> lost his touch. Former here comes Yuki, two time yeah. champion. <laughs> yeah, Yuki in the photos, people are like, is he real? <laughs> like, yeah. Is he a toy? You're like, no, he is not a uh, he's not a drone. He's not a fake person. He is. Uh, he's hilarious. He's four foot ten, and he has the most foul mouth of anybody on the grid, which is always fun to like watch him do that. All right. Well, uh, news wise, across the board, of course. I mean, since the whole last race happened, and since Max was uh, still the champion, and and we're moving on and moving forward, people started their testing already uh, of their setups for twenty twenty three in uh, Abu Dhabi already. It was kind of cool to see Fernando already jumping into the uh, into the Aston Martin and seeing what he looks like in that uh, Aston Martin green. But there's been some other news. Of course, uh, Mattia Binotto from Ferrari has now stepped down. Uh, stepped down, in quotation yeah, marks. Yeah, just like I think a lot of people who are in high, high-paying top positions have been there for a long time. I mean, it's one thing because we're also like on the heels of the World Cup. I mean, we're in the middle of the World Cup right now where – Oh, you didn't get to the round of 16? You're gone, dude. We have fired you. Just so your fans will like get off your back. Yeah. I feel like the Tifosi would, uh, the Ferrari fans would be fine hearing that, that Mattia Bonotto had been let go. So he's gone. What does that mean for Ferrari then in the short term, long term? And are there names still that they're throwing out there for the kind of favorites to replace him? Yeah, that is a big question. I think that the leading candidate is, uh, and I'm going to get his name wrong, but the team principal at Alfa Romeo. Fred Vasseur. That, yes. <laughs> that. Yeah, Vasseur. <laughs> the mean guy. The yeah, mean-looking guy. The, the mean, Might not mean be mean. Guy. Yeah. Might not be mean, but looks mean. But I think that that's what Ferrari needs. I think that what was Benotto's downfall was when things started going sideways, he kind of would deflect in you know the press conferences of, about like what was really the mistake or that things weren't going well mm-hmm. and it just didn't seem like he had this cultural this culture of accountability and then it got worse with you know the way that they would talk to Charles on the radio and it just seemed like things were spiraling out of control and Benotto wasn't that guy that was like okay I'm going to fire this strategist I'm going to fire this tire changer like we we're going to make changes and we're going to expect you know perfection out of the team and so he just kind of had this culture of making excuses and i you know it sucks he's been there 28 years oh really is that how long it was yeah he started in ferrari 1995 straight out of engineering school and just worked his way up through ferrari to to team principal so that's great but i think that uh, he got to be there during like the golden years so that's the part where people go well if you're around 
for the time that we were at, you know, our most recent success and some of our best success. Yeah. Like maybe you'll be the guy because you know what the culture was like, but uh, it kind of tailed off there at the end and he was not the guy anymore. Yeah. So it's it's going to be – I think they need to hire somebody who is going to come in, crack the whip a bit, and be willing to make changes and, and just turn the culture of – um, accountability around within the team because I think what we saw over the course of Ferrari was just or over the year with Ferrari was a spectrum of mistakes from strategy calls to pit lane blunders mm-hmm. to reliability problems um, you know and so it was just kind of across the board so I think that that's where it's like you have to look at the top and make a change there to expect the culture to turn around so yeah Vasor from Alfa Romeo I think is the leading candidate there have been rumors about Ross Braun but coming back, coming back, but he's I think at the FIA, and so I think there'd be like a lot of question marks about the ethics of that. You know, coming straight from the FIA, making the rules yeah. to then running a team. Uh, Potentially, I, mean, I get it, but I mean, he went from Ferrari to the FIA. I mean, yeah. it's interesting too because it would be like having Phil Jackson come back and coach the Bulls again. Yeah, you know, in a way, I mean, like where you're like, yeah, he's been yeah gone a while. He's older. He's doing other stuff, and yeah, he did win championships, and yeah, he, I mean, he was brilliant in terms of some of the, from what I've heard. I mean, this yeah. is this is just one of those things that as I've gotten into F1, I've just kind of by osmosis had to learn, you know, kind of, I mean, he's one of those key pieces to why Ferrari was so successful during that stretch in, in the 90s and 2000s, and so, yeah, I don't know, I mean, like, I don't even know how old he is. I think he's pretty old, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, so I, th- I think he's unlikely. But, it's unlikely, I think. Uh, and then... Gunter Steiner. No, is he, are they throwing his name out there? <laughs> I mean, I think people are just putting that name out <laughs> yeah, there. Just for fun. But I think that that is a low probability. <laughs> and there was a report saying that Ferrari's already approached Christian Horner for the position. But you're just like, what? for what reason would Christian leave Red Bull to go to Ferrari and pick up that hot potato? Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, you're you're in the middle of having success right now. Yeah. Um. Maybe if you would have hit him up two years ago, you could have had the ability to be like, hey, uh, take us back to greatness because because Red Bull, like everybody else, was getting their butts handed to him by, by, by Mercedes. Mercedes so. yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. I mean, which job would you rather have, though? Team principal at Mercedes, team principal at Ferrari. Because, like, I mean, I think about the, the support system around you at Mercedes AMG seems like they have their crap together. Yeah. Ferrari is freaking Ferrari, man. Yeah. Like that would be really tempting to not have that. As ugly as bright red is, Ferrari red is not ugly. People go crazy for a red Ferrari. And I, there is just something that puts, I think, just a, a coating of just specialness or something around <laughs> Ferrari as a brand that I I think that, uh, I mean, it's, uh, I think, you know, Sebastian Vettel going there, you know, I think that it's, it's just aspirational, you know, as a brand. Seb? Would it be too weird for Seb to go in there and like maybe be the number two for a little while and then like be the? I don't know if things I, ended well at Ferrari, but uh, I think if Seb was like, I, I don't want to travel. I don't want to do oh, press yeah, conferences. Yeah. Then you, then you really hate this job. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that would be the the tough part for him. So well, maybe just because it was taking the part of the racing and the and the. Although with all the travel and everything that went with it, maybe the racing was the only thing that was the payoff. <laughs> I think that's the only thing he liked. Yeah, it was actually when he was in the car. Yeah. So uh, we'll find out. They said that Benotto's working through the end of the year, and they'll announce it in January. So it seems like they have four or five weeks to find a, a team principal. Uh, 
And uh, there's just not a huge crop of, I think, eligible candidates out there. We'll see how they uh, figure this thing out. All right. Other news. Um, it's official then now. I mean, the the quote-unquote official announcements were made uh, after, even though we know they, we had known they were going to be in those spots. But your Logan Sargent's are going to be at uh, – Logan Sargent's going to be at uh, Williams. And that's cool. Cool. Another yeah. American driver on the grid, I guess. And uh, I just hope it doesn't – like burn out and not be something that like is it needs to be special you know for for people to, for it to move the needle and I just don't know if I don't know enough about uh, about uh, about him to be able to say definitively like that he's a really talented racer except for he's got the super points I guess to be there and he's he's got the uh, certainly he's been living in Europe and doing the European racing thing so but I yeah what do he, you think he picked up a couple of wins in F two last year but he didn't you know win the championship he didn't light the world on fire. So he's not getting into a fast car. Yeah, he's not getting into a fast car. So I think uh, it's a lot of eyes are going to be on him to see if he can perform. I just hope he's not like Latifi where he's two seconds off the pace. You know, that would just be embarrassing to see him run around for a year getting lapped by, you know, lap 20 by the first pit stop. So uh, I hope Williams has the long term view on developing him uh, and that he can he can keep up. Uh, But it'll be fun. It's the first full time uh american in a seat i think since scott speed alexander rossi i think ran a few races but i don't think he did a full season no i don't think so either so uh but oscar piastri also new uh at, at mclaren out of those guys you feel like piastri would like have the the edge he's been racing i feel like a, little, a lot longer but i mean nick devree rolled in scored points like just yeah. as, a, as a replacement and so you look and you see what what these new guys are going to do. I I don't know who's gonna who's gonna shine brighter in their very first uh, year in their in a seat uh, in F one. I think Piastri being in the McLaren, um, a faster outfit. I think yeah, faster. I Devry I think has the talent, but uh, AlphaTauri slow. <laughs> I mean they're like Williams, but uh, man, it'll be so interesting uh, to see how Piastri does relative to Lando, but then also relative to. Uh, Danny Ricardo, you know, is he is he that upgrade? There was just something about Danny Rick in that McLaren chassis car that just was not a fit, and uh, hopefully Piastri just has, is a more natural um, has a more natural handle on that car and can be competitive with Lando. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm kind of excited to to watch. Uh, so as we as we get kind of the into the off season here, I was I, I was telling you this beforehand, and my uh, my uh, dentist. Here in Salt Lake, Mark Pettit. Shout out to Mark. Shout Pettit. out to Mark. Uh, he was like, "Hey, I, he's like, well, he listens to the podcast. It was very nice of him to talk about how." Uh, but he, but he said something interesting. He goes, "Man, that, I was just glad that season was over." And I think a lot of people have a little bit of that feeling. It's like, boy, it dragged on, and when you already know who the winner is, those last three or four races kind of become, bleh, and we have to find those storylines. And just from like a meat and potatoes, you know, standpoint. There's nothing in those last races that really gets you kind of going. It was funny because there was controversy still in those races, but it mm-hmm. really didn't have any impact on anything except for just guys being either jerks or like you didn't think they were nice teammates or whatever. And and he brought something else up too. And I and I was gonna I was like I'm gonna ask Dan this. So this question comes from Mark Pettit here in Salt Lake. He says, "Do you have to be a jerk to be a champion?" Because he was like, "I was over Max Verstappen at, at the beginning. I kind of liked him, and now I'm kind of over him." And I think we get that way with people who win in general. Like if you're like mm-hmm. the, you know, if you're Michael Jordan, there's going to be a lot of people who just don't like you, especially here in Salt Lake, right? Yeah. <laughs> but there are going to be people who don't like, you know, winners. 
the Yankees, people don't like the Lakers, people don't like all that kind of the Cowboys, people, don't, although they don't win, but people still don't mm-hmm. like them. So he said, do you have to be a jerk to be a champion? And I thought, well, I don't know if Lewis Hamilton's a jerk, but there's definitely like a vibe of uh, being massively egocentric. And you have to kind of be that, I think, if you're going to be an F1 driver. Uh, being a jerk, I don't know. Lewis Hamilton plays the game because there's the part where he's in the in the media and sometimes I just don't believe him, the veneer that's on that, <laughs> you know? like Yeah. And and so it was an interesting question because I thought I would go through kind of the – the most recent cha- – maybe the least jerk of a champion was Sebastian Vettel. But when he was winning those championships, people did not like that guy. Yeah, I think there's like a bit of revisionist history in my head going on where it was like, oh, man, Sebastian's a nice guy and Lewis isn't so bad. But then you think back to when those guys were trying to make their mark and get their first few championships, they were as cutthroat as anybody. The stuff they say on the radio. Yeah. so know, Whatever it is. I, yeah. I, th- I think that in any sport, but especially in F1, like – you you just have to have a competitive gene that is way out on the distribution. You are just like the furthest outlier <laughs> yeah. of the population of how competitive you are. And that then translates into being cutthroat and to, you know, um, stepping on almost, almost anybody in Kobe order to— Kobe was not well-liked. Yeah. Michael yeah. was not well-liked. I just I'm struggling to think of, oh, man, you know— Steve Young, the nice guy, wins the Super Bowl, but, like, how many—I can't think of too many other champions— you know that at, in the moment didn't have their you know that were weren't rough around the edges. Yeah, and I I thought what's interesting is is that are there guys on the grid who who have that cutthroat nature enough? Because I think we see the way that guys like George Russell when they, um, you know, when he finally started having some success and he started getting there and he, and, and you knew he was competitive. He looked like one of the hardest workers in F one, right? He was just mm-hmm. this guy who was always trying to get there and he was never getting there. Um, but there's something else, and Max Verstappen, and I think to a degree, Sergio Perez has a little bit of it too, where it's like, no, no, I know he's the champion, but I actually gave him those championships. You, you tell yourself mm-hmm. yeah. whatever you, you want. You really believe it. And I thought, you know, that's a really brilliant question to ask about whether or not somebody could not be a jerk but still be a world champion F1 driver, and I think the answer is no. Yeah. I think the answer is we prefer to go, that guy's a great racer and he's a great champion. And then in our minds, we just prefer to say, oh, he's probably a good guy too. <laughs> but like while it's happening, Michael Schumacher like was brutally cutthroat. Same thing with Ayrton Senna. Same thing with uh, oh, yeah. Alan Prost. Uh, if you think about all these guys across the board, they have a jerk streak that is wider than anybody. I mean, Alonzo, like even this week, yes. Ocon was going off like I did 98% of the work and Alonzo did 2% of the work. I was <laughs> the one doing the sim and the press and all this stuff. And he was really throwing Alonzo to the bus. And you know what? Pretty and, funny. And, but and, like and some of it might have been true. Yeah. But nobody looks true. at Alonzo and goes, oh, what? There's not a there's not a, a mean gene in that guy's body. You're like, Are you kidding? That guy is same thing. Yeah. The world revolves around these guys, and their world revolves around them because it's an individual sport. For as yeah. much as we try to say team, 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 it's not the, that's not the case. So mm-hmm. you get, you magnify the jerk, you know, magnitude that power. Uh, Max Verstappen to the jerk power, right? Like yeah. it goes up because these guys are individuals. Uh, you can deflect a lot of like the ego stuff a lot of times when guys have to really actually be a part of the team. And that's not really the case in F1. You don't have to be a great teammate. You could just be great yourself and move on. And if you're winning, that actually is the best thing you could do to be a quote-unquote good teammate because you're just earning points for your team. Yeah, and I think that if you end up logging a few championships and you've kind of made it, you know that, like, I'm going to have a seat in F1 for, you know, 
almost as long as I want, then maybe they loosen up a bit like mm-hmm. Sebastian Vettel's loosened up. And you're maybe a little bit less cutthroat because you know that, hey, maybe if I'm not racing for a championship this season, but I'm, you know, contributing to the team and collecting a paycheck, then you're just the, you know, lowers the tension. What happens to Danny Rick now? Where does he go from here? Because he's going to be the uh, Red Bull reserve driver. So it's so so interesting you say that because I was understanding it as a reserve driver, but Red Bull is marketing it what? as their third driver, which I think is branding right because like to make him feel good i know i think it's because they they want to use danny rick as a marketing piece like they're going to send him off to all these different marketing mm, events he's going to get okay. in a, a, a an old red bull car he's going to do some donuts yeah. and they're going to introduce him as the third um you know right. f1 driver for red bull like they've already put his face on red bull packaging like for drinks <laughs> and it's like max and danny rick and sergio's not on the not on the wow. packaging, you know. So the, I think they just saw like the the media um, and marketing value behind Danny Rick and Danny- Sergio must feel massively slighted by all this. Yeah, I, I he must hate every yeah bit of this. But like, I think Danny Rick's going to be he's going to be in the simulator. He's going to do some marketing events, but I don't know how often we're going to see him at the paddock. You know, what does that mean? Like, drive some f some FP ones. Like, I don't even and, think he'll they get, won't even do that. Like, I don't think. Uh, yeah, they're going to put developmental drivers in those seats for when there's opportunities like that. Yeah, but, like that is a dumb move by Red Bull. That's that is a hundred percent has nothing, and it's and it's risky because you're going to piss off Checo. You're going to piss off Checo. Yeah. yeah. So, I think that Red Bull likely thinks of Danny as as a, a forcing function to keep Checo, you know, honest potentially. You know, that's Max's job. Like honestly, yeah. that. The number one driver is the guy you're chasing, right? Not, yeah, you don't have to be pushed. Don't be from worried about you push from behind because it's like driver. you know, it's like hey, if you don't play nice with Max, then we'll this, put Danny Rick in. I mean, I guess it's to be seen, but that's a dumb move by Red Bull. That's a really dumb move. Like you are, you are shaking something up. Or although maybe Red Bull sees the writing on the wall a little bit with Checo because he he was yeah the grumpiness we saw out of him maybe goes a little bit further than just what we saw what right. We saw. And maybe there's something else out there. Maybe these other teams, because they see Checo and they know how valuable he is in, a, in an F1 mm-hmm. seat. Uh, and so maybe maybe the the sheen goes off of this this Red Bull. I, I think what is this? The I'm, contract wise, I don't have it in front of me. I don't know how how long Checo has. I think the end of next year. He's end done, of next right? year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the 2024 second seat is open. So I think that if you're Red Bull, you're kind of buying an option on Danny Rick. If Sergio performs well and plays nice and plays his role to max then you maybe re-up him if not you get to see if danny rick really still has it or not in the sim and then um i guess i mean there's just lots of talent out there they you know can can look at because every driver wants to be able to run a red bull fascinating so, stuff yeah i was reading uh leclerc's uh post about about mattia binotto uh not being at, at ferrari anymore oh, i have to pull it back up again but it was so charles like, oh, here it is. I got to read it to you. Did you see this? <laughs> no, like, I have not. Due to, to no. <laughs> this is for Charles Leclerc. All right? Yeah. This is a dramatic reading from uh, Charles Leclerc, <laughs> the Monegasque. Thank you for everything, Mattia. We spent four intense years together, full of great satisfaction. Also, inevitably, moments that tested us. I'm like, this is so Charles, right? Where he's like basically going, 
Well, first of all, we spent four intense years together. If you describe the marriage like that or any work situation, <laughs> that is an awful way to describe anything, right? Like we spent four very intense years together because if somebody was like, how was your first marriage? You'd be like, intense. It was intense. <laughs> and people would be like, oh, okay. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it makes it sound like it was not great. Full of great satisfaction and also inevitably moments that tested us. My esteem and respect for you has never been diminished. We will always have worked, or, or, and we have always worked with full dedication to achieve the same goals. Good luck for everything. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's very not, Charles. That's a, it, that was not a good situation. Charles got in the ear of the of the chair people at Ferrari and said, "This can't happen anymore. You're paying me whatever amount of money it is uh, to have me here." You're paying a bunch of money for this car to work, and it's not working with this guy. They yeah, have, so. it's Charles's team for sure right now. They have to keep him happy. Oh my goodness, you did bring something fun to the table though today too, because I was just wondering oh, yes. like how much did Charles get get paid this last year? Now Dan uh, has found all of the. I mean, is this like uh, you remember the state of Utah used to have here? Here we used to have this thing where you could look up every state employee's salary. Oh, yeah. And I think and they kind of bagged it. But, I mean, like, it was just open public record. And it was like you could see Kyle Whittingham's salary. Yeah, you, see, yeah. you could see the college football coaches at the at the state schools, how much they were making and stuff. And uh, it's always fascinating to see what these what these racers are making because you have a massive disparity. But it's not unlike any other high, high-value uh, sport where it's like, dude, this forward makes this much money. This quarterback makes this much money. And then the long snapper makes a lot less. Uh, but across the grid, the the pay amounts vary, and I you haven't told me any of these, and so I'm really fascinated to see how everybody did money wise on this thing. So what what did everybody make in 2022? All right, so we'll start um, we'll start number one and we'll go down. So to, uh, total for Max Verstappen 60 million, 40 salary, 20 bonus. Okay, you win the world championship, you get 20 million, 20 extra million. Yeah, dollars. so 60 million. I mean that's. I can't think of an NBA player that makes nope. sixty million a year. No, no, there's people who are fifty. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get uh, Westbrook makes forty seven, forty eight. Yeah, right? and yeah. he's terrible. So it's a good value for. Uh, yeah, it's good value so for that's, Max. That's good money. Okay, Lewis Hamilton, fifty five million, and that was all salary. All salary, yes. Uh, that's crazy. Third, but he's a seven time champion. So yeah. whatever. Third, okay. this one's going to surprise you. Fernando Alonso, thirty million salary. Holy cow! No bonus. He is, you know what? Congrats to his team because that's some great negotiating. <laughs> yeah. Like he's does not hate one. He's not on. A, he wasn't on a great uh, competitive team. Yeah, no, actually, Alpine was way more competitive than he thought they, than we thought they were. Going yeah, to be. yeah. Especially when we heard reports that their winter testing went awful, and then they ended up kind of figuring it out. Uh, but wow, amazing. But again, multi world champion, so maybe that's the going rate. Yeah. Okay. Number four, Sergio, at twenty six million. Only ten of that is salary, and he got sixteen in bonuses. That's pretty darn good. So you have. Sergio on a ten million salary and Max on a forty, 40. million dollars salary. That's a pretty big discrepancy. I'm pretty, I am going to be excited about this list next year when they show <laughs> yeah. third driver on Red Bull twenty seven million. Yeah. Danny Rick. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right, number five, Charles Leclerc, uh, Chuck Leclerc, twelve million of salary and eleven million of bonuses. So he's at thirty three there, twenty three or twenty three there. Yeah, that's. But again, what have you done for me? Like. Yeah, he's how many wins does he have under his belt? He's definitely talented. Yeah, he's definitely talented. But that's like, and I always immediately go to guys who are like overpaid and haven't done it yet. He's like the Kyler Murray of uh, of, <laughs> of, yeah, of racing, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you're like, okay, dude sat out and like asked for all this money, and he's the fifth highest paid driver. 
Uh, but he really hasn't done anything yet. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. Tied for sixth at seventeen million. You have Sebastian Vettel and Danny Ricardo. Danny Rick was way, way over his skis market value wise. But good for mm-hmm. him. When guys yeah. get paid. By the way, all this money is monopoly money. Like this is <laughs> like this 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 money kind of doesn't mean that much to these teams. Red Bull can throw twenty and I mean they, yeah. they threw oh, what thirty yeah. something million dollars at the at the bonuses there because the salary doesn't work into the cost cap. into the cost cap right which is insane because that's a huge huge part of this yeah so you're talking about a hundred million dollars for you know these top teams when it talks about paying these guys so okay all right yeah uh number eight carlos signs at 15 million eight salary seven bonus okay uh at number nine lando at 11 million and then number ten, George Russell at ten million. Lando must have felt really slighted too, like to be earning six million dollars less than the guy who was definitely way further back. Same equipment. Now I guess he won a race, so in the end he could go, yeah. But mate, who won a race? I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But everyone knows, and, and Lando so- could have won that race, you know, easily too. I think they just like, no, we need a one-two. Don't challenge Lando it. Lando signed up for well, like what he's going to be through twenty twenty-eight. So. Yeah, that's the Something contract insane. out there that's like, man, you better hope McLaren turns it around because he's locked in for a long yep. time. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's the top ten. Um, I think what jumps out to me is, like you said, the Danny Ricklando comparison. And then, you know, George Russell at ten relative to Lewis. I mean, Lewis has seven world titles. But uh, I wonder. Uh, that's I, also ten times what he was earning at, at Williams. No joke. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. He was like a million bucks, a million seven, bucks, seven fifty or something like that. So he should be happy. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it's very interesting how that all shakes out. Who's the lo- what's the lowest number then? I'm only seeing the top ten okay. listed here. I my recollection. But I gotta was think the- Latifi's or no no no. I think I've seen it was like Yuki. He's like was- Yuki, one of the uh, younger guys. They're like eight hundred k. Yeah, I think is the lowest salary. I think there are guys making less than a million bucks. I think Mick had a million dollar salary. Yeah, I've seen that. K Mag might have been one point five because they had to pull him out of uh, you know semi retirement. Yeah, running Daytona twenty four hour races. <laughs> so that's interesting. You think about what these guys are getting paid, and then think about it where it compares to. I mean, the sport generates as much revenue, TV contract wise, uh, as some of these. You know, it's not like the EPL. It's not like English Premier League or, or the NFL. I mean, you have thirty two teams, mm-hmm. and you have you know, uh, 15 games a week, you know, or whatever it is, 14 games a week because of, of bye weeks and things like that. But that is a massive amount of, of content you can put on TV. But yeah. you, you have in the billions of views in F1 every year. And so that money that goes along with it, it's uh, pretty interesting to see where it is compared to, you know, the highest paid soccer players in the world are making in that uh, 60 to $80 million a year. Yeah. Salary, yeah. I mean that that that's what we're talking about with these guys who are top soccer players in the world. So, did you uh, see this uh, today? The rumor about um, Cristiano Ronaldo and the Saudi team, two no. hundred and seven million a year to go like be to the go captain. play in Saudi, yeah, in Saudi Arabia, some some club team. Oh, a club team there, yeah. Well, okay. Again, <laughs> you, you talk imagine? about monopoly money. You talk about monopoly money. <laughs> this is also the same Saudi Arabia when they beat Argentina in the World Cup in the first in the first game of the World Cup. It was, you know, massive upset. Yeah. Right? Comparison wise, it's hard to really compare what it would be because it's, you know, it's it, it, it's massive. It's yeah. a massive disparity of those teams' rankings and the FIFA rankings and just talent, et cetera. So winning two to nothing was an insane thing. Mm-hmm. Or I think it was two to nothing. 
Uh, so one of the Saudi sheiks uh, bought a Rolls Royce for every member of the roster of the Saudi team. A Rolls Royce. I love that it's a Rolls Royce. I know. I can't, like, it's like, hey, does this thing turn on a dime? No. No, this is going to be the most impractical can, car to own in the desert. Sa- you can eat a sandwich in it, and you'll be super comfortable. There's a Rolls. It's going to be, like, amazing. So $400,000 Rolls Royce is for maybe they're the Maybe they're the Rolls that are, like, a little bit more lighter on their feet. I that's, don't know if those exist. Yeah, but. <laughs> that's so funny. four hundred k for each one of the guys well, on Well, that reminds roster. me that um, I believe that I uh, Max Verstappen in his contract has that if he wins a championship, he gets to keep one of the cars. Oh, so he gets the, he gets a an the RB RB eighteen eighteen yeah, yeah. yeah huh imagine having one of those you just park it in your garage because you well, won the championship th- these things go at auction now like if you have a, a Michael Schumacher Ferrari that he won a race in it's going to go between twenty and forty million dollars wow. wow so you talk about like that's that's a good piece to negotiate because he's he and and he might not ever give it up, but what yeah. he's also holding on to is a priceless piece of art, basically, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. something that will only a very few people. Well, lots of uh, Saudi sheiks, maybe. Get yeah, oil barons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just have them. Yeah, just that, stack get it up. Uh, you know get one of the uh, American uh, football franchise owners uh, out there, and he'll be like, "I'll take that car." No, I'll yeah, take it. Jerry Jones. Get Jerry Jones on this. We're gonna put it in the middle of AT and T Stadium. You're gonna love it. <laughs> Uh, all right, Dan, anything else from this week? We've got there's gonna be some stuff that of course still rolls out. And when that news happens, we're just gonna have to jump on to uh, do more of these podcasts. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Uh well, Dan, it's another week in the books here. And uh there we go. Mode push. Tell your friends about mode push. And uh during the off season here, we're going to keep updating you as uh, many times as we can. We'll drop these episodes and you can dive in onto the uh off season. Uh, word on what these what's going on with these teams across F1. So for Dan Jimenez, I'm Alex Keery. Thanks for sharing this uh, with other friends. And go on, subscribe, and also review the podcast. Throw a nice little review on there if you like what you're hearing. And uh, we'd love to get those, and that actually helps us as well. So uh, we'll see you next time on Mode Push.